We're going to jump into the Gospel of John in just a moment. So after we pray, when you're seated, we'll be going towards the end of the Gospel of John. And there's a reason for that. We want to start by capturing the purpose of the Gospel of John to us. Let us pray as we jump into a series talking about the miracles of Jesus. Let's pray that we would be open and aware and attentive to what God is doing, what He wants to do, and invite Him in to do what what only He can do in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for what we've celebrated today. Thank You so much for what's ahead. We're just thrilled, God, about what You're doing in this EPAG community, and um, we yield to You today. Whatever You want to do, however You want to work in our hearts, and however You want to work through our hands, God, we yield ourselves to You. We thank you, God, for your word. I pray that I'd make much of you in these moments. And I pray, God, we would continue to experience miraculous things in our midst. And we praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Go with me, if you will, to the end of the Gospel of John. Because beginning in John chapter 20, John gives us the purpose of his writings. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, that's okay. It will also be on the screen. But if you do have a copy, John chapter 20, picking up in verse number 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now skip over one more chapter, John chapter 21, picking up in verse 24. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. John was a first-hand eyewitness account of the things that Jesus did. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down... I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could be or would be written. Now, the context of the Gospel of John inside of the writing, as well as historic accounts, tell us that a guy by the name of John, self-titled, wrote the Gospel. Now, this is not John the Baptist. This is John, one of the original of the twelve disciples, and part of what's commonly referred to as Jesus' inner circle. There were moments where he would be with all 12 disciples, and there were moments where he went further in conversation or further even in the journey with an inner circle, Peter, James, and John. This was that John. The greatest purpose in John writing this gospel, according to ancient sources, was to refute heresy or false teaching that was being taught in that day. There were some in the Jewish community who refuted that Jesus was the Son of God, that they, they claimed Him basically to only be a man while He was on earth, not God in the flesh, not God in human form. So in essence, they were denying the deity of Jesus. Now there are still some today who, when they talk about Jesus taking on human flesh, they would claim that Jesus emptied Himself completely of His deity and only had human form while on earth. Now, while it's true that Jesus did take on human form, and that limited him in some ways, he was present in one spot at one time like we are, for example, it's also true that Jesus operated in the power of the Holy Spirit, and there were times he could have used his power that he didn't use his power, and he certainly didn't do it in a way of just attracting people. But in the process of all of this, he proved and proclaimed 
He himself was the Son of God, God in the flesh. Now John's gospel is in harmony with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other synoptic gospels, but John's gospel stresses more of the importance of Jesus being God in the flesh than any other part of the New Testament. It's hard for us to compute, but Jesus while on earth was human, but also 100% God in the flesh. He was man and human. He was human and man and God at the same time. That's why we commonly refer to Jesus as the God-man. Now, John included some of Jesus' teachings. He included seven of Jesus' teaching discourses. He included the seven I am statements that Jesus used to describe himself. But also, Jesus uh, is talked about by John, including firsthand accounts of Jesus' miracles. Seven signs or seven miracles. Now, if you know anything about biblical numerology, uh, that can get carried to an extreme. But if you know anything about biblical numerology, the number seven is typically connected to perfection or completion. So it's, it's interesting that John included seven discourses, the seven I am statements, and the seven signs or miracles in his gospel. He wanted to stress Jesus' identity, and the, the miracles that he wrote about were a major part of that proof. Look at the words we read a moment ago. Jesus performed many other signs, and then in chapter 21, Jesus did many other things as well. Here's the interesting note. John says that there are things that Jesus did that weren't recorded in this book. And then in kind of a hyperbole form, he says the whole world... If we were to get to talk about all the things that Jesus has done throughout time, all the things that Jesus did with the disciples, the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Now, there are many things that weren't written in the Gospel of John. It would have been hard, even as a first-hand eyewitness, to account and capture all the details of the miraculous, magnificent, powerful, awe-inspiring things that Jesus has done throughout history. In fact... Can we be honest today? Who can capture the fullness of the power and majesty of our great God? Some people really struggle with that. I can't explain God fully, or I don't have all the answers that God has, or all the knowledge that God has. And I say to you that if, if we could explain fully God, and we could answer fully everything that God is and knows, we would be able to attain that level. He would be more like us than God. But I'm glad to serve the God who, even though there are times I may not be able to explain every detail, He is all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, and I can trust Him to lead my life in the best ways. And as best as I could try to tell you today, I can never capture just how great, just how awesome, just how faithful, just how good God really is. Can we give God some praise in the house today? Amen. So here's the purpose of John's gospel. Notice what he says. These are written, so, so out of all the things that Jesus did, these seven were selected and put into this gospel. These were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Notice the connection. John's saying, I want you to believe in Jesus in who He is, in His finished work. I want you to believe in Jesus, and as you believe in Him, that's how you will know true life. Life now, and life eternally. John uses the word believe in his gospel some 98 different times. And the word believe can be actually translated one of two different ways. 
The first way is someone who has not believed in Jesus, that we would commonly use the term an unbeliever. That's where that idea comes from. But that person is choosing to begin to believe in Jesus for the first time. The other meaning of the word believe is someone who has already chosen to believe initially, but they're to continue to believe, to continue to have faith in Jesus and who He is and what He's done and what He's promised. Now, while in context, the word believe can have either meaning, because of the heresy and the false teaching that we know was going on in that time, John was probably writing to believers to encourage them, continue to believe in Jesus no matter what someone else says. Continue to believe in Jesus no matter what wind of theology comes your way. Is that not a practical word for today? Believers need to hear, you didn't just believe initially for salvation, but I want to encourage you to continue to believe. Don't be swayed. Don't be moved from your spot of the truth of Jesus Christ. To cling to the Word, the same Word that you've known, the same Word that you've read, to continue to cling to that truth. What John is saying here is, I want you to be convinced that Jesus is the Son of God and to believe in Him because only by believing in Him will you have life now and eternally. Now here's the amazing part that sticks out to me, and this is true throughout all the Gospels, not just John. It's amazing to me that in spite of all of the miracles that Jesus did, there were a lot of people who still didn't believe. There were a lot of people who still didn't think He was sent from God. A lot of people who still didn't have faith in Him as Savior, Redeemer, Deliverer, Healer, you name it. Rightfully so, there were many people who wanted to experience miracles. They wanted to be healed, they wanted to be delivered, they wanted to be set free. Man, if somebody can, you can imagine the, the person who would think, if somebody can heal me from something I've been dealing with for a long time, if somebody can change my life, I want to experience that. Crowds were a major part of Jesus' ministry from early on on earth. The more people heard about what he did, the more people brought the sick, the more people brought the demon-possessed to him. And truthfully, you can't talk about the kingdom of God and the purpose of the gospel without talking about Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is reading the scroll of Isaiah 61 when he says, "...the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do what?" To proclaim the good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. We can't understand the gospel without understanding Jesus came not just so sin would be forgiven, but so that our whole lives would be changed by the power of God. But yet there were many who, while they took advantage of Jesus' miracle working power, they didn't actually follow Jesus. They, and when I say follow Jesus, I don't mean that geographically they walked behind His steps. That There were many who did not believe in Him as the Messiah to the point of living by His words, living by His commands. Many did not truly follow Jesus. It's interesting to think about that He did all of these things, taught all of these things with authority, did all of these miraculous works, and yet so many people didn't believe. Now, miracles are still a question mark for a lot of people today. 
And you can imagine, if people struggle to believe in Jesus, if they struggle to believe in His identity as the Son of God, if they struggle to believe He's the resurrected King, if they struggle to wonder what the relevance is to today's life, particularly because we're thousands of years removed from when He was on earth, uh, if, if people are struggling to believe in the identity of Christ, you can certainly understand how they would struggle to believe that He can do miracles. But then there are also questions among Jesus' followers today. There are plenty of people, and I've had conversations throughout many years, there are plenty of people who would say, are miracles for today? Because if they are, I've never experienced a miracle in my own personal life. Or I've never seen a miracle even in someone else's life. Are are miracles somehow no longer happening? Uh, If they still happen, then why don't we seem to hear about them as often? Why don't we seem to experience them as much? Let me first define miracle, and let me walk through some of these questions to help lay us a foundation for what's ahead in the coming weeks. First of all, let's define what a miracle really is. And this is not even by scriptural definition. This is by even Webster Dictionary definition. A miracle is a supernatural work, not explicable by natural or scientific laws. A supernatural work not explicable by natural or scientific laws. So a true miracle is not something that's able to be done by mere human efforts. Uh, Just because I go home today and I find out that my girls were good in their classes in EPAG Kids and I say, well, that was a miracle, that doesn't mean it's actually a miracle, right? We talk about things. I mean, there's a movie based on the 19, is it 1980 USA hockey team? I should know better than this, I'm sure. You Minnesotans will tell me about my hockey lack of intelligence, I'm certain. But, but there's a whole movie, and it's called The Miracle. There's a movie at Christmas called The Miracle on 34th Street, right? Not 33rd or 35th, but 34th Street, because it can only happen on one street, apparently. The miracle, we, we use that terminology, but in reality, a true miracle is not able to be done by human efforts. A miracle, by definition, is a supernatural work that requires a greater power in order to be accomplished. So we're declaring a true miracle is only something that God can do. Only God can do this kind of supernatural work. So let's attempt to answer a few questions that surround Miracles. First of all, are miracles for today? Should we expect miracles today? Should we expect that in life miracles are continuing to happen? Let me take you deeper just a touch in theology today, the study of God and His Word. There is a belief commonly referred to as cessationism. And if you want to know what that means, simply take the root word at the beginning of that word, the word cease. And the word cease simply means to stop or to not allow to happen anymore. There's a belief commonly referred to as cessationism that supernatural giftings by the Holy Spirit were no longer needed after the first century or early church. Basically, that special work of the Spirit was just to get the early church up and going. Jesus had birthed the church, and there were leaders who were going to have to deal with special, unique challenges, and they were going to need the extra help of the Holy Spirit, but that was just for that time. There are also some, especially with verbal giftings, things that we would commonly refer to as a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, prophecy, so on and so forth. There are people who believe that when the Bible 
was in its complete form as we have it today, the, the entirety of Scripture, that when it was in complete form like it is now, perfection came, and everything that we need to know is already found in the Word of God, the written Word of God. They use a scripture in the New Testament that says, when perfection has come, in essence, we will no longer need this special work of the Holy Spirit. Well, I would challenge that thought process by saying that while we have the complete version of the Word of God, we are not yet perfect. Anybody know what I'm saying today is true. We are not yet perfect. We are still walking in this journey of we've believed in Jesus, we've been saved, but we are progressively becoming more like Christ in our life, in our behavior, in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. And so while the Holy Spirit always does speak in alignment with Scripture, He's never going to violate or contradict the Scripture, the Holy Spirit is very much still needed in the lives of Jesus' followers in order to rightly continue on our journey. In fact, Jesus taught, I would challenge you to go read John 14, 15, and 16. You can write it down, go read it later. Jesus talks a lot in John 14, 15, and 16 about the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven after I die and rise again. I'm going to ascend back to heaven. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your helper. And two main purposes of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives are, number one, that He would lead us into all truth. And number two, that He would remind us of the things that Jesus has taught us. So this idea that somehow we don't need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we absolutely do. And you add to that that there is the condition of our world. People are still sick. People are still oppressed. People are still in bondage. People still need the supernatural power of God at work in their lives. And when you bring all of that together and you study Jesus' words to we as believers... Well, maybe this was just for during Jesus' time, or maybe this was just for the early church when Jesus had just ascended back to heaven. Listen to what he says. Jesus himself talking in Mark 16. And these signs, notice that word, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands. If I go to a church and they pull out a snake, I'm out. I don't care where you're from, I'm out. They would drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. The whole premise here is not that you go out seeking those things and being stupid and picking up a steak and, and uh, being dumb and going and find antifreeze to drink. That's not the premise of this. The premise of this is when we go through the tests and trials and challenges and spiritual attacks of this life, that God will protect us and keep us and help us and empower us. But notice all that he says, and they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. The word signs in Mark 16 is the same Greek word, the original language used in John chapter 20 when talking about Jesus. Jesus performed many other signs that aren't even documented in the book. Believers who follow Jesus will also have these signs that accompany their life, these indications, these marks, these miracles. Jesus went further even to say in John 14 verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, notice that word believe again, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. What is this teaching us? Are miracles for today? Well, this is it. In the power of the Holy Spirit, what marked Jesus' life and ministry is also going to mark the lives of Jesus' followers. 
That's about the response that comes up in the church world today. Honestly. Because we, we can, if not careful, struggle to believe and expect God to do these types of things today. But Jesus said, these same things that marked my ministry while I was on earth, these are the same signs, the same indications that are going to be a part of Jesus' followers' lives. Wow. So, so then maybe someone would say, well, do miracles still happen? If so, then why don't we see them as often? Okay, we're hearing that Jesus is teaching that we, we should expect to see miracles happening. Well, do we, why don't we see them as often? Well, first, we have to talk in that conversation a little bit about this idea of faith and belief. Believing in Jesus, believing in His Word, believing in His promises. Here's the truth. If we don't have faith in Jesus, if we don't take Him at His Word, why in the world would we even waste time praying? Honestly, why would we go through the time of prayer, and prayer can be work, right? Why would we even go through the time of prayer if we don't believe that who we're praying to is actually going to come through? If we don't believe that the one we're praying to actually has the power to change our hearts, to change our lives, and to change our situations. Scripture actually tells us we're told repeatedly to pray in faith. What does it mean? It means that we should pray expecting God to hear our prayers and to answer according to His perfect will in the best way for our lives. We should be praying with the confidence that says, I'm not just praying and my prayers hitting the ceiling. I'm not just praying just to go through the motions of doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm praying because I'm believing God's going to work in my life. I'm believing God's going to change me. I'm believing God's going to work in my situation. Now, let's be careful, because the conversation of faith for some people means that they go to the point of saying, well, if you prayed and you didn't get an answer immediately, or you didn't seemingly get an answer at all, that the problem is you must lack faith. Now, can it be true? Can we be divided? Can we begin to put our confidence in other things or people? Sure. Can we be low in faith, kind of struggling to believe and dealing with doubts? Absolutely. But be careful that we don't tell people that their battles are simply because they lack faith. Because then that's more self-focused in our ability to have faith rather than our faith being in the right object or one who can do work in our lives. Scripture actually goes far enough to tell us that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. So if I held a mustard seed up today, you would not hardly be able to see it from where you're sitting. It would be smaller than the tip of my index finger. God is gracious to do great things based on even a small amount of faith. You you wouldn't even know that mustard seed was up here unless I told you. So let me focus more on the challenge and the test of having faith even in the midst of the struggles. Because I believe everyone in this room, everyone online would say, I want to believe, and I do believe But there are moments in life when we face some significant challenges and we can begin to question, we can begin to doubt, we can begin to wonder, is this going to change? I've seen this especially true in people who battle long-term issues. Uh, Long-term sickness, long-term trials, tribulations, long-term battles. It can be harder to believe in Jesus and believe for a miracle when you feel like you've been praying for a long time or facing an issue for a long time and nothing seems to be changing. You been there? There's a story in Mark chapter 9. It's it's the narrative of a father who's bringing his son to be set free. This inner circle, Peter, James, and John, have been up the mountain with Jesus 
And they've seen Jesus in a way that they've never seen Him before. He, in, in the splendor of His glory, dazzling white clothes that scriptures say bleach couldn't make them as white as they were. It's called the transfiguration. After they had this glorious experience with Jesus, the inner circle three come back down the mountain with Jesus. And when they got down to the bottom of the mountain, the other nine disciples were in an argument with teachers of the religious law. Because this father had brought his son to the disciples to pray over this son for freedom from an evil spirit. Now, if you study what this evil spirit was doing in this boy's life, it's horrible. It would cause this boy to foam at the mouth, to gnash his teeth, to become very rigid. Scripture teaches us that it, that evil spirit had even robbed this boy of his speech. Now, this boy had been like this, and we'll see it in a moment, had been like this for a while, likely probably in teenage years at this point. And the indication of Scripture is the father thought, I'm going to take my son to the disciples so that they can drive out the evil spirit because they're, they're Jesus' people. They're Jesus' closest followers. But Scripture indicates to us the disciples tried to cast out this evil spirit and couldn't do it. In fact, when Jesus came down the mountain and found out what was going on, He rebuked the disciples over this, and the issue He rebuked them over was their lack of faith, belief. The spirit, the evil spirit, then recognized Jesus when the boy was brought to him, and the spirit threw the boy down to the ground in convulsion, rolling around and foaming at the mouth. We pick up in Mark chapter 9, verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? And the father answered, from childhood. Notice this, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. Pause for a moment. If you need any indication that it's not good to play games with the enemy, there's a good one. Jesus' words still ring true. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Period. The Spirit recognized Jesus. Jesus asked the boy's father, and the boy's father says, from childhood, it's often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Pause for a moment. Don't go ahead of me. Can you put yourself in the father's shoes for a moment? For a number of years, all he's done is watch his son be victim to an evil spirit. Thrown him on the ground thrown him in the fire, thrown him in water, tried to kill him, foaming at the mouth, deaf, likely can't speak either. So many different things that this father has struggled through. And Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. It wasn't sarcasm. It was Jesus giving an opportunity for this father to respond in faith. And look at what the father said. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus is saying, hey, don't go passive on me. Don't accept things the way that they are. Don't get comfortable believing this is just the normal for life. But instead, believe in me and believe that things can change because of me and my power. And here's this father who for years has been watching his son suffer and no one has been able to do anything about it. Even the disciples couldn't do anything about it. It's understandable. If you sit in the humanity for a moment, it's understandable to think how this father could struggle to believe that anything was going to change. George Wood, who's since uh, gone on to be with the Lord, served as a general superintendent for the Assemblies of God at one point, and he said this, Sometimes we falsely think 
that we must have perfect faith in order for the Lord to work when all He really wants is for us to make the effort to have faith. Jesus' interchange with this man helps us as we pray. There are some who falsely tell us, when you pray or ask for something, if you have any doubt at all, you will not get it. Thus, if we do not receive the answer we wanted, the blame must fall on us. It falls on us. It's far better to be honest with the Lord, as was this father, and to say to him, I do believe, but I'm not all the way there yet. You're going to have to make up whatever I lack. Jesus would much rather we be honest with him than to try to bluff our way into his presence. So if you're struggling in the area of belief and faith, You're dealing with long-term illness, long-term sickness. You're dealing with a situation that in the natural seems impossible. If you're struggling to believe that things can change, be honest today. Be honest. Years ago, I was going through a a difficult situation in my life, and I remember at that time picking up the phone, and and I, I talked to my mom, and she was praying with me through it, and I remember her saying to me, I don't know that I'll ever forget it, I remember her saying to me, why don't you just be honest with God? You might as well go ahead and be honest with God, because He already knows what's going on in your heart and mind anyway. It's not like we can hide it. It's not like somehow we can escape from the, the, the seeing of our God. It's that we should come to the Lord and say, Lord, I do believe. I believe the Scriptures are true. I believe this is real. I believe, Jesus, that you did all of these things. But I'm struggling to believe today, on March 5th, 2023, I'm struggling to believe right now that you can change because we've been dealing with this maybe for so long or it seems so great and so magnificent of a problem that, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. Be honest and say, Lord, I'm... I have faith, but I know there could be unbelief or doubt in my heart, so Lord, help me. And invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to even bring an increase in faith. Study Jesus. Study the miracles of what He's done. Read His Word and invite that truth in to sit in your heart and to marinate in your life. And faith rises because Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So why don't we see them as often? We talk a little bit about that wrestling intention with faith and believing. But then let me go one step further. Another thing is to keep in mind that the Bible contains only a portion of what God has done. So on one side, remember what John wrote. The whole world could not contain the books that would be written of everything that God has done. And the Apostle Paul kind of echoes a similar thought when he says in 1 Corinthians 13, we only see right now through a a, a dark glass. We only see through a glass darkly, I think it is in the King James. We, We only have limited understanding, limited knowledge. We only understand some of this. We don't even see everything that God does. We truly only have and even understand a fraction of God and all of His works. So when you read the Bible and you think, wow, miracles were happening all the time. Miracles were happening everywhere where there were other places where they weren't happening in that moment. There were other moments where there weren't miracles taking place. And then there were many moments, but it was also because the Holy Spirit was inspiring these writers to zoom in on Jesus' ministry and to zoom in on others' ministries and to see the specifics of what was happening. And let me then add one more thought to this. Well, if they're for today and God still does miracles, then, then why do I feel like we haven't seen them as much or don't talk about them as much or why is it that we haven't experienced as much? And I would go far enough to say today that perhaps we're surrounded by more miracles all the time that we don't realize, acknowledge, or perceive as supernatural work. Remember this. 
Remember where we started a moment ago. A miracle is defined as a supernatural work that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws. The challenge we get into is when we talk about miracles, we often define miracles as it had to be a, a healing it had to be a, a limb, an arm or leg that grew out all of a sudden. It had to be some creative form of a miracle, right? I mean, there are, there are tons of different videos out there, and rightfully so. Some of them are certainly legitimate. Recently, I, I uh, saw a video clip of a girl who was in a worship service, and from the platform just felt like she was supposed to give a word, and it had specific to do with a genetic disorder. And there were people who were watching it online who said, Jesus, we believe in your word and your ability to heal, and that person was healed from a genetic disorder. I mean, come on, that's real stuff. That's real supernatural. That's real miracle. And there are, miracles, there, there are miracles like that that are happening. There are things that we just don't get a chance to see. Even with the, uh, the, the advancement of social media, we don't see everything that's happening. But I think we also we, we put miracles in a box that they have to be just these few things. But may I suggest to you today, uh, when a marriage that is about to crumble finds forgiveness and love, that's a supernatural work. When a prodigal comes to his senses in the pig pen and comes home to God... That's a supernatural work. When someone caught up in a lifestyle, deceived in the lies and rejecting the truth, realizes the love of God and the truth and is set free by His power, that is a supernatural work. When a cancer diagnosis turns into a cancer-free report, that is a supernatural work. When people can worship together with people who are part of another family, who their family killed some of their own family members and they can worship in the same church, that is a supernatural work. When a 20-something-year-old widow with three kids kids can stand in a courtroom and offer forgiveness to the drunk driver who killed her husband, that is a supernatural word. When those of other religions and places of geography are having visions of Jesus, that is a supernatural word. And when a sinner with a black heart can be washed by the red blood of Jesus and made white as snow as if they never sinned, that is a supernatural work. Only God can do those things. Only God can heal in the heart, the wounds and the pains. Only God can reconcile relationships. Only God can do those things. One of the greatest frustrations years ago in ministry that I had to face was the reality that I can't change people's hearts and I can't always change their situations. Man, I want to. Sometimes it'd be that I could just Snap my fingers. Sometimes it'd be that I'd grab them by the shoulders and shake them and ask them, what in the world are you doing? Sometimes it would just be to be able to reach into their heart and convince them of the truth. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those moments when you, you just feel like if I could just get them to see, if we could just get them to understand, if we could just get them to receive and accept the truth of Jesus. But I had to come to that conclusion. I can do what I can do to be obedient to God. And I have to trust then that they would be open and receptive to the Lord. Because if they'll be open and receptive to the Lord, God will always do what He said He will do. God still changes hearts. God still changes lives. I would actually go far enough to say miracles are really happening all the time. We may not call them that because we consider miracles by a def different definition. So here's the application. Let's bring it in a landing spot for today. You may be in this room or online and you have your own personal needs. You need healing. 
You need freedom. You need a work in your life or in a situation. God can do a supernatural work to change your life and to change what you're going through. And then we also recognize, we've talked about it in the last few weeks, the condition that our world is in. You talk about wanting to change some things. You talk about wanting to convince people of the truth. You talk about recognizing how wicked and evil people have to be to do some of the things that they're doing. And more than ever as a pastor, and I've got friends who would say the same thing, more than ever as a pastor, and more than ever I think as Jesus followers, we're recognizing, I hope, that we got to have God in this. It's got to be God's work. This has got to be supernatural. It can't be just the natural. This has got to be the power of God at work. Because only God's going to change hearts. And everything else flows out of who we are. And only God can do that. Only God can meet those needs. So as we begin this series today, I want to call you to do just five quick things, five quick thoughts. Here we go. Number one, confess any struggle that you're having with doubt. Be honest. If you're struggling to believe for a miracle in your life, if you're struggling to, to believe that your situation is going to change, if you're struggling to believe for healing, if you're struggling, whatever, the area of your life is, if you're struggling with doubt, you, you, you're trying to pray, you're trying to, you see the pictures in the Word, you see the narrative, you know it, but, but maybe you're still struggling to believe that things can really change. Just admit it to God. Invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life. I would that faith would rise and that there'd even be the gift of faith at work in our EPAG community. Number two, thank God for His Word which provides evidence of His character and His power. I'm thankful that we are not speculating. We're living based on fact. And the facts are found in the Word of God. We're living not with some hope-so, wishy, uh, man, I hope this changes somewhere along the way. We're standing on the facts of the Word. Okay, God, Your Word declares You never change, and You had all the power then, which means You have all the power now. You cared and were compassionate towards people then. You care and are compassionate towards people now. You met needs and did the miraculous then. You want to do the miraculous now. Thank You, God, that we have evidence that speaks to what You want to do in our lives. Number three, Study the miracles of Jesus. We're going to do that some together. There's no way we could go through every one of Jesus' miracles, but we'll go through some significant ones, especially in the Gospel of John. But take some time to read through. Recognize His power, His authority. Uh, he, he would calm the, the nature, the storms of nature. He would, he would cause evil spirits to have to come out of people, so He had authority over the enemy. He would bring healing to those who had had issues for decades. He would do all of these things. He, he brought miracles to be. Study those. Lord, would you do that in my life? Would you work in my life? Number four, pray for an increased awareness of the work of God. Help us, Lord, not to put miracles in a box, but to recognize you are still at work. One of the things I think that's happening right now in our nation and around the world, these, these pop-up things we're seeing happen in all sorts of different places, and I get it. There are people who debate what's happening and who's leading and all this other stuff. I think some people are just critical, period. But what if this is a moment where God is trying to bring awareness 
And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think this is a moment where God is saying to a lot of people, this is the time to lean in now. This is the time to recognize who God is now. I'm not going out on a limb. I'm not going to write 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. I'm not going to give you all of these things. I'm just simply telling you there is an urgency sense in me. And I don't think it's just me. I think it's other leaders in the church. I think it's other Jesus followers. But there is some sense that this is a golden opportunity moment. That in the compassion and patience of God, He's giving people an opportunity to see that He is really real. And His power is still really real. And if people will jump in they can experience God from themselves but if they don't there are consequences this is a unique moment and I believe God's bringing some awareness and so in the midst of all the negative news that cycles out day after day after day after day after day God bring awareness that you're still at work in the midst of it all because no matter how great darkness becomes scripture declares darkness cannot extinguish light period number five Would you join with me in asking for God to do supernatural things among us? God, we don't want to just read about it. We don't want to just talk about what used to happen. We don't want to even just hinge on on the things that you've done even in our own lives. We want to experience your power in a fresh and a new way. And we recognize that people are coming in from north, south, east, and west who are becoming part of the EPAC community. There are people who the EPAC community is going to go out and minister to in their uh, places of work and in their families and in their neighborhoods and in their businesses and in their school. God, would you send a fresh power in this church community, in this people, in our hearts, And through our hands, I pray that the supernatural work of God will become so normal. Not in a weird, left-field, fruitcake, nut sort of way. But so normal that we just get to a place where when we pray, we expect a miracle to happen. And where when we're out in the marketplace, we believe God to work just as powerfully there as we do any moment that we're together here. That it just becomes that God's power is a part of the everyday life of every Jesus follower. Period. That we would embrace what Jesus said. These signs will follow them that believe. May we be people of belief. Faith in Jesus and His Word. And see great things among us. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team members that are here, would you come and make yourself available on either side of the room today? These people will talk with you if you're interested in what it means to follow Jesus. These people will pray with you over one of those situations or circumstances that feels like it's impossible, that you need a miraculous work. These individuals will pray with you. I will pray with you. We're glad to agree with you. I want to invite you today to not be in a rush. In fact, I probably should have said this first service, but I'll say it now. At this point in, in the life of our church, I just want you to be comfortable that when, if I pray a prayer of dismissal and you need to stay and pray, stay and pray. Don't, don't feel like that somehow if I pray a closing prayer that that means you're obligated to somehow go to lunch. You can stay and talk with God and be with God as long as you like. Let God work. Let God move. Let him have his way. And so today, I want you to respond in whatever way you need to. And I'll challenge you the way I did first service. And man, there were people who were responding that if you're in need of a miracle, if you're in need of that power of God to be at work in your life, find a place and seek the Lord and let him work. Believe in him to work. Man, 
just sense that there are some people in the EPAC community today that there's a heaviness in some lives because there are some big things happening. Big needs, big burdens. God wants to work. God wants to change you and even your life. I'm going to pray for you and then I invite you to respond in the way that God is saying to you today. In the way that you know you need to. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can lean into you in this moment. We recognize, God, even more as we live every day, that we're not enough on our own. We're not enough on our own. We can't even face the things we deal with in our own lives, let alone even even in our own power try to help other people, Lord. But you, you, oh God, you have all power. And you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. So Lord, today, I ask that your power would work in those who have needs in this place. I ask your power, Lord, would reach into the homes of people who are with us online, into the workplaces, into the the, the automobiles as people travel, whatever the case. God, I pray that your power would reach today. Your strong, right, mighty hand would reach, O Lord, and bring healing and bring change and bring situations to a different outcome because of only, only because of you and your power, Lord, at work. You're able, God. May faith rise to believe greater than ever before in you. To take your word to heart. What Holy Spirit, would you be at work in us, O God. That we may grow in you and believing for you to do great things. Now, Father, I pray that you bless and keep this people. You make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace. I pray in these moments of seeking you, Lord, that each and every person would find everything they need from you. Do the miraculous among us. Do it in us. Do it through us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you when you need to go today.